This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because those are playing Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into the prime to be the role models, dreams, and voices. About to show these boys how we do it. Higher, further, faster, baby. It's not about deserve. I'm not an owl! A girl has no name. There is something supernatural at work here. It's about what you believe. Did I stop on your mom? Guardian Leviosa. From now on, you do as I do. May the odds be ever in your favor. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Herring, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk about the good and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, my name's Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, hilarious, wonderful, and excited to interview our guest co-host, Monica. Yay! Hi, you already took it away. Obviously, so I excited. I did take it away. Yeah, that's great. I know. I I'm I have to say I'm really excited about our guest this week. Um, I'm just gonna hop right into it because I have been talking to Ziggy online for uh, five or six years. I don't know. It's been like as long as I've been on Twitter, and then longer than that probably because I have had two Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> and I've been talking to her that long, and she's finally this is our first face to face interaction, and it's oh like, really yes. So I'm Aww. very excited to say hi to our guest Ziggy. Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We are also very excited. We're all just like, yay. <laughs> That's kind of how we roll. It is so really excited. weird to, to say that it's our first face-to-face because you're right. Like, we've been talking for so long, but it's totally strange to actually see your face and vocalize, not just type. <laughs> I know. It's like, were, were you ever on the Blue Recluse? No, nope. I think there was like brief discussion about me doing it at some point in time. And then I don't know. I don't know what happened to that. The last few years of my life have been a blur. (laughs) (laughs) I think the blue recluse in the last year or two was a blur. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, I think they're, they're done now. I think their temporary hiatus might be a permanent one. So I mean, life goes on, right? Us. But we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about Ziggy. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry in advance for the most boring show you've ever had. Oh my so. gosh, no. Your Twitter is like the most entertaining Twitter in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. My Twitter is basically my word vomit receptacle. It's for all of the thoughts that I can't control enough to make them into coherent speech in real life. So they just kind of, you know, (laughs) like, you know that I'm in an extremely anxious situation or something when I tweet because I'm probably like in line at the DMV, like really stressed out. And I'm just like, (gasps) I got to get it out somewhere. (laughs) And then whatever comes out on Twitter, who knows? Apparently people enjoy it. So that's good. Yeah, it is very good. So for those who don't know who you are, Ziggy, tell us who you are. Um, I am a mother of two. I am a gamer. I don't know how to describe myself because that's super like vague. So you tell me because I think you guys probably have a better handle on who I am. <laughs> okay, you are the co-host, Coco co-host of oh, yeah, co- yeah, yeah, Coco, yeah, because there's four of you, right? Oh, yes, Coco, <laughs> wow, yeah, of sixteen hundred dust, a Hearthstone podcast. You are the light of Twitter for many, many, many people. Uh, oh you God. are an ex-Taco Bell employee. That I am, yes. You very much are. <laughs> and you're just an absolutely delightful person. Oh, 
Well, see, see, I should just always have someone else describe me. That's, that's way better than what I got. <laughs> yes. Okay. All of those things are correct. Um, I am, I guess we could throw in some more stuff. I am an ex Disneyland employee as well. Ooh. Um, I am, I have done everything. I've been a park ranger. I've been a travel agent. I have, I don't even know, man. I don't know. I, I, all I know is that these days I work a very respectable, boring office job that was kind of the thing I always thought, oh, once I have that, then I'll be able to relax. And it's the least relaxed I've ever been. Oh, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it turns you? out it turns out that working in an office is is actually way harder than anything I've ever done because I have too much energy, not enough focus, and, and a whole lot of I don't want to be here. Uh, do you have a big office with everybody in the same room? I don't know how you call it in English. Um, our office, the way ours is set up, is there are four of us in one area. It's like the front clerical area. So there are some people who have cubicles or their own offices, but our area is open with four people. So, and it's a pretty small area. <laughs> I find that cubicle situation is very American. I've never seen that in here around here before. So that's really? yeah. like the way you see it in the movies. It's like, I've never, I mean, there are now open offices and everything is becoming a thing, but so there, but there are desks and everything, but they are never in this like one square meter Evolve, feet yeah. situation that oh, I've only funny. seen in movies. Yeah. Apparently that's going to be a real thing for me soon too. I guess they're building Ooh. a new building for us and everybody's going to be like that. And I'm like, all right, well now I'm really a character in a movie. Oh man. <laughs> it's all good. You could have oh. your own TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could. Yeah. What was Disney like? What did you do? There were you a Disney princess running around being all super friendly <laughs> to people. Um, okay, so since I was a kid, I always wanted to be Mickey Mouse. It sounds like the most absurd, ridiculous, made-up thing, but I'm not even kidding. Well, As a kid, I was no. like, I want to be Mickey Mouse. I don't understand how people have dreams about other types of jobs. That seems like the only job in the world I want. That's <laughs> totally <Love> fair. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were definitely concerned for my future as a child. Um, and Aren't then I grew old? up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's our job, I guess. And then I grew up and I got married and I, within a month of getting married, moved to California and got a job at Disney. <laughs> so my parents were like, all right, she wasn't kidding. What do we do now? <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So when I first started there, I was in attractions. I actually worked in, um, not in Disneyland proper, but in Disneyland, Disney's California Adventure. So I worked at a couple of rides there um, and I, it was like really part time. And I basically had to, we had to live out of our car a lot. And there was a point where we lived in a tent, which in Southern California does not, does not work out so well. Um, so it was crazy. It was, it was ridiculous. And then we moved out of state for a while and tried to get our footing elsewhere. And I, my itch had still not been scratched, especially since I had not <laughs> been in entertainment. So I was you like, I, Mickey Mouse yet, I, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I did not achieve this goal. So we went back and one of the first things I did was I actually went to a princess audition. Um, I thought, oh, they're having face character auditions. Cool, I'll go and see what it's like. And I showed up and realized that every single person there was like an aspiring actress. And they were all like six feet tall and just absolutely gorgeous and fully made up. 
And I had showed up in like yoga pants and a tank top, <laughs> no makeup, you know, and was just like, uh, might be a little out of my league. And I'm like just under five three. And I stand in a line with all these other women and I'm like, I don't know if I thought this through. <laughs> they come along and they ask you to like, I don't know what the wording was exactly, but they asked you to essentially like talk to them and, and introduce yourself, which obviously I'm I'm wretched at. And they're getting a gauge of your voice and your cadence and and how you hold yourself. And they go to this girl next to me and she's just like, oh, my name is Kaylee and I'm an aspiring actress and whatever. And then they get to me and I'm like, uh, yeah, I just want to, I just, I moved here because I want to, um, I just want to work here. It's like my dream. <laughs> and amazing. the guy's just like, all right, thank you. And moves on to the next person. And I'm like, Oh God! What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, uh, I did not. I did not make it to the next round of auditions in that Man. situation. I was. You would have been convinced. the perfect Marita. <laughs> oh, you know what? I wish she existed back then. Aww. I can totally. I can totally see that. I don't know how I'd be with the accent, but I could try. Yeah, pull yeah, off yeah. your best Scottish accent. Just go for it. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't do it at all. You don't understand. Oh. Like it's the one I can't. <laughs> I cannot do it. My brain won't even do it, which is probably why it's my favorite. Because when someone mm. starts speaking in a Scottish accent, I'm just like, I can't even do the thing where you imitate it back to them, which I am I am want to do in many situations on accident. You know, someone calls up on the phone. They're like, yeah, Missy, can I get um, can I get your assistance with this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You can get my assistance. You know, I can't. That sounded I, more Spanish. I don't know what Scottish that is. That's like right a, now. it's like a <laughs> Spanish redneck in Washington, I guess. <laughs> I deal with, a, I don't know, I guess I deal with a lot of those. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, I did eventually get into entertainment and Disney. Um, I did get into the costumed character department, which was, of course, where I actually wanted to be. And I probably should have just waited for one of those auditions because that I nailed. Um, <laughs> that one, I went in and they like measure you and everything to make sure you fit a height requirement. And I quickly discovered I was too tall to be Mickey Mouse. So no! dreams, dreams crushed. <laughs> but, and to this day, I will always think about that. Think how I was always too short for everything else. But then I was too tall to be Mickey Mouse. I don't oh. understand how there is a size requirement for the costume because you have hats on and everything. I know. And they're so specific too. Like, in fact, when they measured me, I was getting a little freaked out because I read the, what do you call them, like the brackets in, in which they fit. And there's like a gap between 5'3 and 5'6, I want to say, where there's there's nothing. There are no characters within that height range. And so I was like, oh, what if I get measured wrong and I fall into that? And so I kind of was like softening my <laughs> knees a little bit, you know, like, oh, please. And the lady measures me and she's like, ah, five, two and three quarters. How perfect. You know, if you'd been a quarter inch taller, we wouldn't have had anything for you. And I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah, they, wow. they measure you and then they have you do like a a dance audition and they, they actually like teach you a dance to a song from the jungle book in my case. So that was a lot of fun. And then they have you do like a, an improvisation round and stuff in costume. And I tell you what, like, I think at that point I was just like, if I don't make this, if I don't achieve this dream, then I have nothing left. So I'm just going to give everything <laughs> I have. And I did. And like, the funny thing is that they have all these costumes in my height range, but the worst one is Winnie the Pooh. 
Winnie the Pooh weighs like a billion pounds and has almost no visibility. And that's the costume I got stuck in for the audition. <laughs> and the person even told me as he's putting it on, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, well, pff, bring it on, whatever, you know, no big deal. And then of course I'm in the costume and you can't get out of it yourself. You're like Velcroed in and like, you can't see anything. And I'm just like, all right, I have nothing. I'm just gonna go for broke. And so I did and I just, I remember almost passing out and being like, this is all I have. I'm, I've given everything. And this guy's helping me out of the costume and he has worked in the department for decades. And he just goes, that was the best audition I've ever seen. Oh, that's and amazing. Like, and I was like, I'm so sweaty. You can't tell I'm now crying too. So it works out really well. And then, <laughs> but I'm still convinced. I'm like, no, I don't think, I don't think I did very well. And then sure enough, they were like, oh, you're approved for seven different characters, yada, yada. And I was just like, okay, I did it. This is, I'm like... 20 years old and I have achieved my dream. <laughs> you know? So so I did that for a while and it was it was the best. I loved it. I loved every second. That's amazing. That's so interesting also. I had to ask it because I was too curious how that worked, but man. Yeah, sorry that that story came there was a lot there apparently just like waiting to come out. <laughs> yeah. And now which That's characters did you do then? Um, I primarily did Winnie the Pooh and Chip and Dale. So, and Chip and Dale are my absolute favorite. Actually, they're, I love them more than I love Mickey Mouse. So that kind of ended up being a nice consolation prize. Yeah, um, I can but, see that. Yeah. But then I was approved for um, some other obscure ones that you don't see very often, like Jesse from Toy Story 2 and um, the Penguin from Mary Poppins which people don't think about as being a costume Disney character, but is in fact. And um, Turk from Tarzan, the little gorilla that's voiced by what, Rosie O'Donnell, I think. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one I think was, um, is that seven? Am I there? Um, it was Max, Goofy's son. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that was, I actually did get to do Max on stage. And that was really, really fun because it's fun to do a character that is just absurd and awkward and really energetic and there there are no limits you know so i was just crazy <laughs> in the whole world that i have no idea about yeah yep good times totally worth it kind of one of those things that is a fun fact i guess because i really went all out that was that was my dream and i did it oh do you wish you were still doing it sometimes yeah oh yeah i, I really do um if if i could have stuck with it i would have um but i got pregnant And, you know, living in a crack motel in California is not exactly conducive to the family life. So <laughs> I would go back and do it. I for sure. I would go back and do it anytime. I'm probably way too old now as far as like, I'd probably be sore in like two minutes, but I'd still do it. Oh, amazing. Well, it's like living your dreams in the early years. That's so nice though. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it is awesome to be able to say I did that and to be able to have those memories. It's pretty great. Oh, love that. Well, it almost seems a shame that we're going to take you into our rapid fire round. After, <laughs> like that really cool story. <laughs> But that's just what we got to do. So, Monica, take us away. So, Ziggy. No, I tried it again. It doesn't work. My drum roll is terrible. Cool. Yeah, really I know. Bad. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's start. Where are you from? I am originally from Salem, Oregon in the United States. When are you a geek since? 
so you can add a year or maybe a story of your first geeky experience um i would say i've probably always been a geek maybe didn't know it for a while but I didn't have a lot of video games growing up, so I would say the first time that I realized that I was super into this type of thing was actually when I had a nano pet, like okay. Tamagotchi little thing, you know, the, like the little pet yeah. when you take care of an old capsule, like a little digital pet thing. <laughs> yep, that was that was probably my first experience where I was like, oh, there's no going back. Like, this is the best. <laughs> Tamagotchi was the best, like late 90s. Yeah, they have them again now and they're like full color and super fancy. And I got them, well, we got them. It was my boyfriend's idea. We got them for my kids for Christmas. So they're pretty I was awesome. going to say, please tell me that your kids have them now. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's crushing because they sold out like immediately after we got them. So I've been trying to go back and get myself one ever since. No. <laughs> I can't put my hands on one. Oh, no. That's the worst. So what are your biggest geeky influences? You can think boo books, movies, TV shows, teachers, games, or whatever comes to mind? Um, I would say that growing up, the biggest things for me were um, like old school horror movies, like 70s and 80s horror movies. My dad let me watch them even though I grew up in a really conservative household. So going back and watching some of those, wow, I don't know how I got away with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like 70s and 80s horror movies and then um, like Goosebumps books. I was absolutely obsessed with them growing up. So, and I still am. They're amazing. Yeah. And what are your current geeky pastimes? Well, I play Hearthstone. Not nearly as much as I used to, but I did used to play it an ungodly amount. Um, <laughs> and I love World of Warcraft. I should disclaimer that by saying I don't do anything useful in World of Warcraft. I really just love being in the universe and just tooling around doing whatever. And um, I've dabbled in other games, but I have zero hand-eye coordination. None. <laughs> so. <laughs> cool. That was a rapid fire round. That was very rapid. I'm, that was very I'm rapid. Impressed. Yeah. I'm trying to not. I'm, I don't want to go off for 20 minutes again, you know, about one thing. So I'm trying to make sure I really. But that's where the good <laughs> stories come out. Now we know, know that everything about Disney and how to get into entertainment and that they have to be a special size. And that's not even that easy. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Who would have thought you would go there and they all have one size big costume and you do the thing? No, you various characters you don't get all of them. <sighs> yeah. And it's very competitive and like, even after you make it through the audition, they they have to test you in the various costumes to make sure that you look appropriate in them. And I saw like some girls who couldn't get approved, even though they were the right height, they couldn't get approved for like Pinocchio because their boobs were too big. So they'd be like, well, Pinocchio can't be walking around with boobs. So sorry. <laughs> Relatable problems. For yep. me. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought they were like this over body costumes, you know, like full, like, I don't know. I think they might have been maybe in the past. I don't really know. I'm kind of curious now to research the history on that. But they're, they're very complicated these days. There are many pieces and they're quite size specific. And it's crazy. Fascinating. All these things you learn when you come on Geek Caring. <laughs> it's the magic. The magic just happens. We bring out these cool stories. <laughs> Yeah, true. well, you you guys are just so easy to talk to that it's it's kind of like it's a nightmare for someone like me who has word vomit. You know, I'm just that's like, amazing. Oh, this is so I much love fun. word vomit. 
And it's delightful for us because we're like, yes, just keep talking. Tell us all the stories. <laughs> <laughs> so it works out really well. But what would you, what, what is the geeky thing that we're talking about today? Um, you know, that's a good question because I'm really flummoxed by, by specifics. I'm not good at being specific. Um, I have listened to your guys' show a lot and I love it for the record. Oh, and awesome. thank you. I get a little concerned that if I bring something up, it's already going to be something that you talked about. Mm -mm. So I think if there's anything that I would love to talk about, it's just um, related to the general theme of your show. I think I have a kind of unique perspective when it comes to being a woman in gaming, um, primarily because I am surrounded by dudes. Like, yeah. I record a podcast every single week with three dudes and all of my best friends are dudes. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's different for me. It's a little bit, it's interesting because I don't have, I don't have a lot of the negative experience that women have. So that's, you know, that's simultaneously wonderful and puts me at a little bit of a disadvantage for perspective. But um, it also does give me an interesting perspective from the other side of things and gives me a little bit to talk about, like my thoughts on what it's like to be a woman in the gaming world. <laughs> I think it, what it does, it gives hope for humanity. <laughs> it does. It really does. I'm telling you, like, um, I've been extremely fortunate, I think. And for me, the way it, it started was so out of the blue that I think for a long time, I didn't even realize that it was such a struggle for so many other women and that they were facing criticism and just, you know, constant disadvantage within these communities, because for me, it was like the opposite. It was like, I was out on the outskirts being really scared of jumping into anything and really um, shy, just painfully shy. And for me, it's like, I got invited to be on 1600 dust and I was like, Oh my gosh, a podcast. Cool. Okay. Totally. And then, you know, the date arrives and I'm like, I, I can't do, I can't do this. Like, and I'm kind of a master at that for the record. I, I am, I will make excuses up until the last moment. Like you get me to show up to record a podcast, even my own, and it's a pretty big feat. <laughs> I will be there like, oh, I just, oh, I have a, I have a sniffle, you know, I can't, I can't do it. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but so I got invited to be on the show and, and I was so hell bent on not doing it and just going back into being, afraid and being on the outskirts and not really ever jumping into any type of community, um, even though I'd been playing Hearthstone a ton. And once I did this recording with these guys, you know, with with Spivey and Chris, like it was instantly life changing because they were the opposite of what I expected. They were just so incredibly welcoming and they were like, people are going to love you. Like, why are you not doing stuff like this? You know, why are you not being an active part of this community and jumping in and and showing them what you can do? Because they are really going to love you. So for me, that was my first experience doing anything significant, you know, in the gaming world and kind of stepping out and saying, hey, I'm here. And from that point forward, it was just like, I felt kind of unstoppable for a period of time. I was constantly, and I, I still am to this day, just crippled by terrible anxiety at all times. That's that's just unfortunately who I am. <laughs> but they gave me this stepping stone and it, it led to all these other communities and, and other podcasts that invited me to be on. And I never really encountered negativity or anything, you know, that was no one ever said, well, why are you doing this? You're a woman or you can't possibly do this. You're a woman, etc. But um, once I did realize the 
how unique my position was, it gave me a lot of perspective and a lot of, feels like a lot of responsibility um, on my shoulders to, to make sure that I am being a champion for people and that I am accessible, you know, remaining accessible to people so that they really feel like they can actually talk to me and ask me about my experiences is a huge, important thing to me. Well, I can definitely confirm that you're accessible. Um, <laughs> Yay. <laughs> that's, that's something that like ever since I became involved in the Warcraft and the Hearthstone community, um, you've, you've been like a pillar. You've just been so open and so honest and so funny about everything. Like that it's just like, I'm not trying to like suck up to you or anything. I'm just like, <laughs> this, this is just my experience of you. Like the way that you want to be is 100% the way that you come across. Like you, you want to be this accessible and open person and you totally are. And like, it's given me for, and I'm sure hundreds of other women, thousands maybe, um, this knowledge and this comfort that like, there are amazing women already trailblazing the way and just being kick-ass with the like pretty great guys in the in the in the like community as well <sighs> okay amanda you're not allowed to make me cry all right <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh i mean but thank you that really makes me happy to know that you know what i'm going for is happening what, that, it, that it works because I would say that like in the beginning, there was probably a point where I knew that I was coming in at a little bit of a disadvantage um, just because one of my first experiences was streaming on Twitch. And that's a strange, strange beast that is always going to be a strange beast, I guess. You know, um, you do get just trolls who are going to say the most awful things to you because you're a woman. And it kind of is what it is, it, unfortunately. But um, that stuff was a lot easier for me to shake off and a lot easier to see as background noise once I realized that these communities were going to be so incredibly welcoming to me and that there was a place for me and that nothing, you know, n not even my insecurities about getting into gaming mattered. Like, how did you, how, how did you get into all of the fun stuff that you're doing right now like how did you get into gaming and how how did you end up at the podcast in the end um well so basically what happened is i was a stay-at-home mom during the time that i kind of started playing hearthstone um and i just started playing it like on an ipad mini or something and it was the first thing that had really truly interested me because like i say i completely lack eye hand-eye coordination like you can put a video game controller in front of me and I will not be able to do whatever it is I'm trying to do. Like getting my character to walk around a room is an ordeal. <laughs> so I mean, you can really imagine. hard in 3D yeah. though. Like <laughs> this 2D situation is pretty smooth, but like 3D is super yeah. hard. It's rough, man. I don't know. I don't know what the disconnect is there, but as you can imagine, I am really great at Overwatch. Like just really fantastic at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's not for lack of trying or lack of enthusiasm, you know, but so Hearthstone was really the first thing that I felt like I could, I could understand, even if I didn't necessarily understand statistics and all of the best ways to approach a card game, um, I could at least understand interactions between the cards and the way, you know, the, the way types of cards work together. And that was something that my brain really liked to work with. It was more of a, like the fundamentals of how things 
work together in a game that I found really fascinating. And I found it endlessly entertaining too, because I was always making terrible mistakes and, <laughs> and making crazy things happen that were not intentional. So I just really got into playing the game a lot. And I started watching some streams on Twitch. And there was kind of a point where I was like, you know, I would like to do that, even if I'm I'm terrible at it, and I'm blabbering and, and no one's you know, there are two people in the entire world enjoying themselves because of it. I think I would like to stream. So I started doing it. I just pulled out my laptop and I was like, I think I was sitting on my bed the first time I did it. And I was just like testing it, you know, and all of a sudden there were like three people there and they were like, hey, how's it going? And they're like talking to me. I'm like, oh, oh, oh hi. Hi. Um, You can see me. Oh, I'm in my pajamas. I don't know if I... And it just kind of went from there. I never had a good setup or anything, but I just started doing it and it immediately as will happen if you know, you're know you really enjoying what you're doing, other people started enjoying it too. And it just got to the point where a few regular people turned into more regular people. And I was going online and streaming because I was looking forward to talking to those people and seeing those familiar faces. And at that point, that's when I decided, I had already had a Twitter account for many years, but I decided to actually start like a gaming one with with my gaming handle, if you will. And I did that and I just thought, oh, this is so I can tweet about when I'm going to stream. You know, that's about it. But it became <laughs> so much more. Like eventually it just, um, you know, ap- after I had been streaming for a little while, it led to the invitation to be on 1600 Dust. And then um, from that point forward, you know, they welcomed me with open arms. And so other people who were fans of their show started inviting me to be on their shows or, you know, they just people started following me on Twitter and I never had anything in mind as far as what I was going to do with my Twitter, but it just became me. Like say, it's, it's, it's just my weird random thoughts while I'm doing other things. So, um, and people seemed to like it. God help me. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with them, but, (laughs) but here we are, you know, it became like Twitter in and of itself became a community to an extent because it brought together so many different podcasts and some of them weren't even related to Hearthstone, you know, then it branched out into World of Warcraft and and whatever else, which I also do play. But like I say, I'm by no means an expert because I basically just make bags to put on the auction house. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, it just became this kind of snowball effect where I engaged with enough people that it kept spreading to other groups of people. And, and then it became its own entity. Like my Twitter account and and everything around it just became like the, its own social circle. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's how it the power really of the amazing. internet. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think your Twitter is really relatable as well because I know for a while there you were also pretty vocal about the idiots that you worked with to say mm-hmm. it like just just be pretty <laughs> blunt about that. Yeah. Um, which I know that that caused some problems in and of itself for you but it was super relatable that you were so publicly talking about something that so many other people experience. Like they're like, Oh, I've got a person like that in my life too. I mean, maybe it's not exactly to the extent because you had some great stories. (laughs) (laughs) I have been through some shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I think the only way I know how to go about, surviving things in life is to put a humorous spin on them. And so for me, it's like as much as people found my tweets relatable, I found them therapeutic. Mm. 
So, and I kind of hope it's that way for, for other people too, because I think if you can't laugh at life, then you're never going to go anywhere. Amen you to know? that, man. <laughs> yeah. Agree. <laughs> like so hard agree. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. Mm-hmm. This is all personal, but this okay. one's personal. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you know Spivey uh, before you went on 1600 Dust or how, no. how did that all happen? Because I know that you guys <laughs> met on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's one of the other things that Twitter brought me. You know, maybe maybe the very biggest thing. Okay. I say that because I'm, I'm trying to joke about it, but it's obviously the most, the biggest thing that's like happened in my entire life. Um, yeah, I did. I did not know him at all. And we only met because um, he had actually seen me streaming. And it was me streaming Hearthstone that led to him extending the invitation to be on his podcast. Wow. So yeah, it was entirely like if I had never decided to make this, this Twitter handle, and if I had never decided to stream under that name, you know, and, and stream Hearthstone, we would have no idea that the other person existed. And now I think you guys have the award for Twitter's cutest couple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. We are as gross as we are in the internet. We're grosser in real life, I swear. Like, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I'm particularly inclined to being sappy on the internet, but yeah. Yep. He's the best. Aw. Shout out to Spivey. Hi, Spivey. He's definitely in the next room. He definitely ducked into this room at some point to grab his phone or something. So he's he's on your show now too, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that that's like awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fundamentally crazy. Like it's the weirdest thing to explain to people in real life when they're like, "Oh, how how did you and your boyfriend meet?" And you say Twitter, and they don't they don't believe you because it doesn't sound real, especially since we're both from different parts of the country. You know, it's like. It's not like we had any real life connections whatsoever. And it's not just like eh, we met through a mutual friend, you know, and happened to start talking more on social media. Like it's 100% we lived 2,000 miles apart kind of thing. And then we recorded a podcast together and then we started talking more. And then here we are. <laughs> and <laughs> As someone who has dated online when online dating wasn't a thing, and I also found like, I'm like, I totally feel you on that one. It's possible. I think it all depends how you approach communicating with others online. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes, sure, there are people who can just bullshit everyone and pretend to be someone that they're not. But it's also really easy to, yeah, word vomit your own self online (laughs) and people get attracted by that because you are who you are the way you would talk you can also write so like it's possible and it's not that it's not worse than swiping left or right nowadays yeah yeah. it's more effort than that yeah you know i think i think twitter in particular lends itself to a certain type of authenticity um that you might not find other places because people use other types of social media to actually be like uh my day was so crappy and you know whatever but twitter there's there's at least an attempt at being humorous a lot of the time i feel uh, you know there's at least an attempt at, at taking things a little lighter than you would in other situations and that's probably because of the character limit which has you know, <laughs> is, is much higher than it used to be but yeah. it, it really forces you to condense what you're thinking about into a much more bite-sized piece of information and so 
I think that does kind of distill the personality of someone. It mm. does very much distill who they are and how they think. And, and you know, there is a certain amount of, I don't know what the word is, but you, you have to have some sort of talent at, at writing to an extent, I think, because otherwise you know, it comes out gibberish and it's not appealing. <laughs> so, um, but it really does. It, it's kind of a unique way to get a sense of who someone is because mm. they are picking and choosing what they're going to share. And they're also having to distill it down to a certain number of characters. So you get, a, a you get a really interesting effect going on there, <laughs> good or bad. Yeah, I like to see the the good part of Twitter, that's for sure. Yeah. I think for the most part, you know, incels not included, it's a pretty good place. It's definitely, it like any type of social media, it's basically a cesspool in, you know, most cases. And it's a terrible, terrible way for people to use anonymity to be terrible to other people. Mm. But um there really are some gems out there. I mean, I have I have the internet to thank Twitter specifically, not only for the love of my life, but for some of my very, very best friends. Mm -hmm. And these are not even these are not people I would have met outside of that. You know, these are actually like my some of my very, very best friends are people I met because of Twitter. And some of them are in my life, real life now, you know, which mm -hmm. is just crazy. Yeah, I get that. I have a best friend from Twitter as well that is in my life. Like I talk to him every day and it's just the amazing things that happen from yeah. the platform. You find, you know, you really do find the diamonds in the rough. And I think some of the people who have also seen how bad Twitter can be or how bad any aspect of the internet can be mm. also end up being um, even better at being friends with people from the internet because they've seen how awful people can be. And so they know what it's like and they know what it's like to um, take care of the good people when you, when you meet them. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's so true. So how does your, your so you were saying you're surrounded by dudes mm -hmm. in all the <laughs> gaming places. How um, do you think, I'm trying to think of how to word this question, um, do they treat you as one of the guys or do you think maybe? I mean, I think I can answer that right away and say yes. Um, because one of the things that is important to me is I can't really be friends with someone if I don't feel like I can truly be myself. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of different aspects to being yourself, you know, but one of them is just being able to be comfortable and to say what's on your mind and to be able to joke around with people and I'm not easily offended, to be honest. Um, I realize that people's intentions are often, are usually quite pure. I don't think people intend to hurt. I don't think people go out with with ill intentions most of the time. Um, so for me, it's I think maybe it's easier for me than for some other people to get along with people and to joke around because I'm not likely to take offense. So. From the beginning, it, it's a lot easier to get along with me, I think, than maybe, um, especially people who have taken a lot of abuse online and are more inclined to being, um, I don't know what the right word is, but more inclined to being upset by things that are said to them, you know, um, that's not really me. So I think it's probably easier for them than it is with some other women, because women have been through a lot of crap and they have mm -hmm. taken terrible, terrible abuse, you know in person and online. And I'm not, I'm not immune to that myself, but I'm also not very defensive. I guess maybe that's the word I'm looking for. So yeah, from the beginning, it was just, I think it's always been easy for us to just 
you know, shoot the bull. Like we're just hanging out. We're just friends. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There are no lines. There are no boundaries. There's no division there. So it is kind of just, that's how we are. Maybe that's why I get along with men better a lot of the time um, because I am that kind of person. And because I'm not particularly inclined to um, wanting to harp on being offended or wanting to look for reasons to be offended Mm -hmm. or to take offense at anything. So that's just kind of who I am. Um, So yeah, for, I think for them, it's a, it's a lot like just one of the guys it's, it's a lot easier. There's, there's no pressure and they've never, there's never been a difference to me. Like there's never been like a, Oh, I'm the woman of the group. No, there's, there's no difference other than the occasional jokes because I'm actually like one of their girlfriends, you know, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) That that's so nice. And I, I would find like growing up, the majority of my friends would have been guys as well for many of the same reasons that, that you've given. Um, I, I do have a question. Um, do you think that at any point the the guys in your circle have had to or have protected you from online abuse or from trolls or mm-hmm. anything like that? Yeah. I mean, of course. Um, and maybe that's why I've been so fortunate um, because I really did come into a lot of what I do in the community from like the shelter of 1600 Dust um, because these guys are amazing and they are so for them, for them, there isn't a difference between anybody. There, there are no lines. There are no brackets. There's nothing like for them. They're just people are people. Anyone can play this game. Anyone can listen to a podcast. Anyone can be on a podcast, you know? So from the beginning, definitely um, as soon as people started to realize how close my association was with that podcast and with those guys, I'm sure there was a certain level of abuse that I avoided because of that. Um, because yeah, they would 100% come out swinging if they felt like someone was being offensive towards me or, you know, if someone was, was saying degrading things, they would definitely have my back. And that quickly extended into other members of the community too. Um, so I definitely did have, I had a really good foundation coming into this and I have a lot of really great people behind me. Um, so I 100% believe that's definitely part of why I have avoided some of the worst of it is because I've always had these, these people who are willing to fight for me and maybe, maybe not even fight is the right word. Maybe more of just by being strong pillars in their community, you know, people weren't as likely to hurl abuse. Yeah. They set good examples. Yeah, of, like this is how you treat the women in our community. Yep, hundred percent. And I mean, we I think we need to mention it even that even though there are obviously a lot of people who have nothing better to do than to shame others for whoever and whatever they are and whatever they do, there are good people out there as well. So even though like some geek guys might say that we don't belong there, there are I'm pretty sure also. A similar amount of guys who don't give a shit who like <laughs> whether or not we have boobs or not. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess most of them are pretty excited that we have boobs, but like in a, <laughs> in, in, a in a totally yes, you can do whatever you want and you're welcome wherever we are as well kind of way. Yeah, yeah. I I've seen so many like. I've actually seen so few good people cancel out so many bad. 
because mm-hmm. I, and I feel like that that's a very powerful thing on the internet that people don't think about is that, you know, one little bad seed can turn into something humongous, just mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare. But um, there could be a thousand good things that you don't see in the same mm-hmm. regard. So it's, I think it's a lot easier for bad things to take a foothold than it is good. And that's, I don't know how to psychoanalyze that exactly, but there's, there's an explanation for that, you know, because like I say, I even come to Twitter with, you know, when I'm feeling, feeling anxious, when I need Mm -hmm. some sort of therapeutic release, just some sort of like comic relief or some connection with other people, I'm very often not feeling well when I'm doing that. And so I think that's part of the reason why when people are on the internet, like, bad is a lot more likely to spread because people are kind of attracted to that and the idea that, oh, I'm not the only one who's feeling bad. You know, I'm Mm. not the only one who's having a bad day. And that stuff gains traction a lot faster than anything positive does. I think humans tend to see the bad way more than they appreciate the good stuff in their life and the good stuff that they see. So that just seems so much more powerful very often. but. If we would mm-hmm. really take a proper look at stats, then would really be 90% of the internet bad? I mean, of the, of the community, would they all be so horrible? Like, is that really the majority of people that are horrible online? Or is it just that we think it's the majority because that's what our focus goes to? Because we all have experience with so many people and so many things where it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. I think a lot of it as well is that there's a lot of good there and so many people are good, but it's the people who are shouting the abuse and and just the bad side of the internet. Like they just are louder. Yep. They I think they are the minority, but they're louder mm. and they gather these crowds around them and yeah. shout louder. Who said I was listening to a podcast just very recently and what he said was basically that um, it is five guys that say something bad for thirty thousand times, basically. So it's not even it's it's more the amount. It's not even the amount of people, and that they gather so many other people around them. It's just a higher frequency of one person who thinks that he can tweet like five hundred shitty tweets to the same person. <laughs> and that as the recipient, it seems like five hundred people, but in fact, right. it's just one fucking idiot. Yep, yep. I think that's so true. It's. It- it's much more likely that we will also react to bad yeah. than to positive. So that doesn't help anything, you know, mm-hmm. like we're all, we all have bad days. We all have moments when we feel like crap. I think we're a lot more likely to knee jerk and respond when we encounter the same thing on the internet. Whereas mm-hmm. we kind of absorb the positive things and move on. Mm-hmm. So I think it just kind of becomes a chain reaction. And I don't think there are as many evil people out there as as the internet makes it mm, seem like, yeah. which is why all we can really do is try to amplify the positive, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I try to do my best. And I think maybe we should put a challenge out there to everyone, everyone listening to the show to retweet and, and like you say, amplify the positive news that you come across because we need to drown out the negative and all the hate. Mm-hmm. One Instagram account that I follow, what she said what she's doing is for every negative comments that she responds to she has to respond to 10 positive ones so like that, that just gives her like the because it's so easy as you say to hop on the negative shit because you want to defend yourself and you def- feel defensive especially when they trigger something in us that that because 
with whatever reason, um, then you want to respond and you want to be like, but that's not even true. And we would never do that to people who post or hardly ever do that to people who share comment, uh, positive stuff with us. So I, I really like when I saw, when I heard that, that she has to answer to 10 positive ones first before she's allow, allowing herself to uh, comment on the negative ones. Because it's not always that you can just ignore it. Um, and sometimes you want to respond, but I mean, oh, don't feed the troll yeah. still, but yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's something psychological that we seem to get out of, you know, responding to the negative things. And I think that's just a large part of being human and constantly battling your own stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and it feels satisfying to kind of go toe to toe with someone else in an internet setting where there are no repercussions. Mm. So there's a natural inclination to want to do that and to want to respond and or to at least express your opinion about something. Mm. When you see something negative, some you know somebody going back and forth, you want to at least just jump in and, and do something. But not only is that detrimental to ourselves mentally, but um, we don't seem to get the reverse positive amount out of out of positive things. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. I think since we're not inclined to respond to them. I've been trying to do something kind of similar to what you're just talking about. Um, like I, I pinned a tweet this year where I was like, oh, do something positive for yourself every day, you know, and tweet about it. And then I was like, I'll try to be your cheerleader. And guys, that is hard. That is yeah. way harder than I thought it would be because even myself, I fell off of being able to even say one th positive thing every day. But it's, of course, I was still on Twitter managing to respond to other things mm. that were not necessarily positive. It's really, really difficult. And I don't know if that's because there just isn't as much positivity to be gained from distant relations, you know, and, and, and internet communication as there is in real life. Obviously, one conversation over coffee with a friend at a coffee shop is going to be way more beneficial than 30 tweets, you know. Mm. So maybe there just isn't um, a gratifying enough return on that type of investment. But it is really hard to do that. And it's also really beneficial. I've noticed that the times that people have responded with positive things and I've responded back to them, that does give you something. Like mm. it's not a void. There's not no reason to do it. You know, there's definitely a positive reaction. It helps me reevaluate my own attitude and how I'm looking at my day and stuff and being like, oh, wait a minute. I got through my work day and I helped people and I didn't completely blow up. Or if I did, you know, like I am now having tea with my daughter. Like mm. this day is way better than I'm giving it credit for kind mm. of thing. I don't know. I, like I guess that. that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. There's a company here in Northern Ireland who put out gratitude journals and they really promote the psychology behind practicing gratitude. And it the, even the act of recognizing like one or three or five things every single day, it trains your brain to look for the positives over the negatives. And it's something like I find if I regularly have a gratitude practice uh, that I'm a much more positive and productive person because it just, my brain doesn't get focused on something. I don't like just think like, oh, I've sat here and done nothing all day. I'm like, I sat here and thought of all these cool things all day. Mm -hmm. Um even if it's just, it, it switches something over in your brain when you train it to look for the good things. It does. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to that. I, I agree. And I think 
I would benefit from something like that. So I should really, I should really do that. <laughs> um, Cause that's kind of what I try to do with my Twitter in a lot of cases is I, if I'm feeling super awful, I might actually be more likely to tweet out something trying to encourage other people because it's rough. It's rough to train our brains. And we're also more likely to, I think, run away from things all the time and be in a constant sense of flight, mm -hmm. which is why we don't fully experience the things that are actually positive. We don't fully experience the moments when we are happy because we're busy running from every little feeling, everything else that you know, every single thing we read on the internet that makes us feel a little bit like makes our hackles go up. Mm. We're constantly in a state of reacting and and running away from that stuff. And that's, I mean, that gets a little, a little more hippy dippy and goes a little more into spiritual stuff, you know. But there is definitely something to the fact that, like, if you start practicing meditation regularly, you start mm. to realize that you start to realize oh my gosh, like the reason I feel like garbage all the time is not because of things that are happening to me. It's the way I'm reacting to them. Mm. It's the fact that I am not I am not actually sitting with any of my feelings. I am not going through any of my feelings. I'm just mm. running from them. So maybe that's kind of what the internet is like. It's, it's often just a defense mechanism that we're constantly using to not feel yeah. <laughs> feelings and go through them. So maybe that's that's where a lot of the negativity comes off. We just kind of we all start dumping it in one place and there it goes. I can totally say from experience because I'm going to like therapy for like one and a half years now. And basically that's what my therapist does with me, right? So she makes me go through my own feelings and experience them when that I have them and not pretend like they're not there or focus on the negative shit all the time. And what I can totally see for myself and for my attitude towards life is that like before that, everything, I had an opinion. I to everything i got triggered by everything i was so annoyed like how can they do that and why the fuck is it and whatever the shit and all of that loud and clear and everything <laughs> i still i still have things that bother me obviously but i notice with myself that it's way less than it was before and i'm way way quicker through all the shit because i'm like yeah that that annoyed me but really in the big big bigger picture it doesn't really matter much right so experiencing the the emotions as you said is just so huge and you will get to a way calmer place um when you do it where you see yeah i mean you can get annoyed by that now or you can just not you can experience yeah. it now and then be done with it and not <laughs> stick to yeah. it for the next five weeks because someone i don't know looked at you wrong for example and you get so much more perspective because maybe he looked at you wrong because he or she had a bad day themselves, right? So it's just really experiencing what you're going through and not trying to avoid it all the time is definitely something that gets you to a calmer place. Like you said, with meditation and everything, it's really what you do is focus on what is even going on. It's not even not thinking about anything because right. I think everybody thinks all the time some in That's some way or the other. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? Like that's that's the root of everything. Why yeah. can't we ever just stop thinking? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's so hard to to stay positive when things mm. seem so negative, and the internet is the is kind of the worst offender for that. It really just helped amplify our negative feelings and and make it easier for us to not even notice the positive ones. Mm. So I guess that's that's all I want to do is just encourage people to 
build each other up and to acknowledge the positive things instead of just always acknowledging the negative, always feeling that because it takes a lot more. It takes a lot more positivity mm. to difference than it does, you know, for like, like we said, one little negative thing can just blow up and yeah. everybody gets involved and everybody gets upset and that's not good for anyone. So I like the challenge that Amanda suggested. Mm -hmm. I do too. Oh, something positive. I'm smart. You're always <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah, always I think I'm, hopefully I'm just living proof that not everything on the internet is bad and not everything that comes out of the internet is bad. You know, not everything is doomed because I think for sure I would have never ever in a million years have expected to be like in this amazing relationship and have these amazing friendships based on the internet and gaming, you know, mm -hmm. it's insane. It, it doesn't even make sense to me. I get overwhelmed when I think about it because I really do have incredible, incredible people in my life. And somehow I found them there through, through the weeds of the internet, you know? So there is hope, like there are amazing people out there and the best thing we can do is just keep trying to find them and, and amplify their voices to try to drown out the crappy ones. <laughs> I love that. I do too. That's the best advice possible. Yeah. And girls, if you want to play games, just play effing games. <laughs> you can <Yes>. swear. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you don't swear. Oh, yeah. I, I do. I do. I just try to reserve it for really, really important times when I want to make a super amount of emphasis. Like, for example, you know, when I'm driving. Because obviously, <laughs> obviously that's the most important time to be like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> And I, yeah, and of course, like yeah. if my kids are in the car, then you know I'm like ten times as likely to use it out of nowhere. And I'm like, I could have said this any other time, but then, of course it happened now. Yeah, <laughs> I just store them up for the rage. really important times, the the maximum potential result. <laughs> when the when the other person can't even hear it. Yep, when the other person has absolutely no idea. <laughs> It's my favorite thing too to like when I'm really, really mad and I'm driving, I recommend this by the way, like do instead of flipping someone off or gesturing angrily at them to actually give them a peace sign. I mean, it, it goes about 50, 50, like 50% of the time they'll assume you're flipping them off. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. But like when you give them the peace sign, like they definitely double take and kind of like laugh. And then you also laugh at yourself because like, you're like, this is ridiculous. I'm screaming at this person and calling them a bastard and whatever. And then I'm just giving them the peace sign and I'm realizing that I am being as much of an asshole as they are. So I love that. I don't think that would work in this country because the, the peace sign is one thing, but if you flip it around, it's, it means F off. Right. Yep, really? Dangerous. Yeah, this is rude. This is peace. This, this is, is rude. rude. Really? Yeah, I knew that was rude, but I didn't know it was actually. Well, it actually, it actually means up yours. Wow. Okay, I don't recommend it. What does it mean? Up yours. What are you talking about? So, yeah, I'll not be t taking that piece of Ziggy's advice. Um, <laughs> maybe when I'm driving in Florida next time. Just gonna say, when you're in the States, you can take my advice, but otherwise, please don't, because I don't want to be responsible yeah. for anyone dying from a road rage incident. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Ziggy, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about today? Um... I don't, I don't think so. 
I mean, I like say I'm terrible at specifics. I'm terrible at having like a goal in mind, which is why I'm always working on 50 things at once, you know, and never finishing anything. I get it. But I, I just came here to hang out and hopefully to encourage people that stuff can be good if you look past all the crap. Post one good thing every day on social media. Yes. Try at the very least to not post five negative things and you'll be on your way. <laughs> that is true. Well, you've definitely succeeded by giving your message to our listeners here at Geek Herring. And where can those listeners find you? Well, I am on Twitter at Ziggy Sarah. It's Z-I-G-G-Y-S-E-R-A. And um, I'm also on Twitch. And I feel like an idiot asking people to follow me on Twitch because <laughs> I basically never stream anymore. But I really genuinely do want people to follow me there because someday... Someday, ladies, I will I will actually be back regularly. <laughs> People ask me for how do you do it managing, you know, a full time job and kids and streaming? And the answer is inevitably anymore. Well, I don't stream. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and and on Twitch. And you can also if you want to listen to me hanging with my best dudes, you can listen to my podcast, which is 1600 Dust. Amazing. Amazing. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I got super inspired to post something positive every day on social media now, just because spread the spread the word, man. Spread the word. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. And I apologize that I'm not like <sighs> I'm not good at like focusing, being like, I'm gonna talk about this. I'm more like, let's just You you said you listened yeah. to a podcast. Did you have the assumption that we do that <laughs> at all ever? <laughs> why I love it because for me like I'm actually maybe it's dirty for me to say this but as a podcaster I don't actually listen to that many podcasts I don't either <laughs> so it's okay I mean it's like super rare for me too so like when I started listening to you guys I was I would listen at work and I'd be like you know what? this is really enjoyable because I don't have to I don't lose the plot you know what I mean like I there is none like, like, oh, this is nice. oh and we're laughing again like this is <laughs> so it's perfect it's perfect for me because i'm i can talk obviously i can i can go on for for days but boy getting me to have like a a topic and and bullet points like pff, i mean i quit creative writing as soon as they wanted me to outline anything i was like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not conducive to, to my brain at all <laughs> so thanks so much thank, thank you you guys are awesome and I had a lot of fun. If you like this episode of Geek Herring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Herring and over on geekherring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.